Praise the Lord. Are you ready for the Word? All right. Now, we're in a sermon series. Now, for those of you who are new this morning, I don't want you to think that we do this every Sunday because we don't. Uh, this is just something special. We do once a quarter, so we have baptisms and baby dedications, so the service may be just a tad longer than usual, and please forgive us, but it's just we don't do it every Sunday. But isn't it amazing that we can see what God is doing in the life of the church? Amen. Would you agree with that? And so we, we are thankful for that, and we celebrate those things and give God the glory and the honor for that. Take your Bible to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 1, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 1, and uh, we'll look at it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should not overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of the light and the sons of the day, and we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, drink, uh, get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to attain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just so also you are doing. Thank you. This is the second Sunday in our sermon series called The End, Understanding the Times and the Seasons, Part 2. Last Sunday we looked at the characteristics of the last days. How many remembers what we went over last week? Raise your hand. Amen. The characteristics of the last days. And today we're going to look at the rapture of the church. Now there is a vast amount of information about the end times. And it's possible, very possible, that I might not get done next week. And if that's, if that's the case, then we can always continue it because there is lots of information when it comes to the end times. But let us look at the scripture that I just read to you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul reminds us in our text that we, should be, we shouldn't be surprised of the times and the seasons that we are living in. In other words, Paul is saying you shouldn't be caught off guard. You shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be shocked at all about the times and the seasons that we are living in. And the reason for that is because Paul said, you are not children of the darkness, you are actually children of the light. And if you are children of the light, then it should not take you by surprise. You shouldn't be taken off guard. You shouldn't be shocked about the things that you are seeing and the things that you are discerning. The Apostle Paul said that when they say peace and safety, he said, beware, because sudden destruction will come upon you just like labor pains will come upon a pregnant woman. You see, we shouldn't be shocked at all 
of the times and the seasons that you and I are living in. It amazes me that people are bewildered and, and shocked over what they see that's happening in the world today. We scratch our head and we think to ourselves, how in the world can this be happening? But ladies and gentlemen, the Apostle Paul was very clear that you should be not shocked, you shouldn't be shaken, you should be aware of the times and the seasons that we are living in. You see, there are some Christians that they are spiritually asleep. They are spiritually sleeping. And I am sounding the alarm this morning, and I am telling you to wake up out of your sleepiness. Wake up out of your apathy. Wake up out of your complacency. There is a spiritual alarm being sounded, and that alarm is being sounded today, and it's telling us, wake up, for the coming of the Lord is at nigh, and the coming of the Lord is at hand. Amen. Amen. You see, the coming of the Lord is certainly at hand. Last week, we looked at the characteristics of the last days, and I am not going to re-preach my sermon because you can always listen to it online. But I want to just quickly mention something to you. I mentioned it this morning, but I, I want to look at it in a different light. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's behind me, you don't have to turn there. The 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want you to see the first few words of this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof, and such people turn away." Did you notice in verse number 2, look at it, verse number 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the apex of the last days. It is because men are lovers of themselves that they are prideful, that they are blasphemers, that they're heady, that they're headstrong, they're brutal and despisers of good. It's all a result of people being lovers of them own selves. That is the key. Everything else flows from that. Everything in this list is a result of people being lovers of themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to remind you that we are living in the last days. And last week, I was very clear in verse number 1 in 2 in second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Do you remember what I said? If you broke it down in the Greek, it means this. But know this or understand this, that in the last days, difficult or fierce times or seasons will come unexpectedly. Do you remember me saying that? Fierce times are coming. Difficult times are coming. Difficult seasons are coming, and they're going to come upon us unexpectedly. And the apex of the last days, the, 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 the root of the last days, if you really want to know the problem of the last days, it's found in verse number 2, for men will be lovers of themselves. Everything else flows from that. And I don't have to remind you that we are living in a self-centered society. Boy, I should have heard an amen right there. I'm going to say that again. 
I don't have to remind you that we live in a self-centered society. We live in a society that is self-centered and it has an entitlement attitude. They think they deserve something. But ladies and gentlemen, that's the root of all sin. That self-centeredness, entitlement attitude is the root of all sin. How do I know that? Listen to this preacher very, very carefully. Notice the attitude of Lucifer. Notice the attitude of the devil. The Bible says in Isaiah 14 and verse 12, Isaiah 14 verse 12, and I quote, How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Shiloh to the lowest depths of the pit. Do you see the attitude of Lucifer? The attitude of Lucifer was, I will ascend. I will exalt. I will sit on the mountain of congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You see, Lucifer had an entitlement attitude. Lucifer was self-centered. And that is the root of all sin is self-centeredness. The root of all sin is entitlement. The root of all sin is thinking that you need to be lifted up. Lucifer thought that he should be lifted up while Christ went to the grave. Christ demonstrated his humility by going down while Lucifer wanted to be exalted in praise and he wanted to be like the Most High. You see, the Scripture is against this self-centeredness. The Scripture is against this entitlement attitude. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, and I quote, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each of us esteem others better than ourselves. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What kind of mind did Jesus have? Jesus didn't have the mind of Lucifer. Lucifer wanted to exalt himself, but Jesus didn't have that mind. He didn't have that heart. He didn't have that attitude. Jesus esteemed his brother better than himself. He served his brother. He gave unto his brother. You see, the Apostle Paul said it like this, in Galatians 2 and verse 20, and I quote, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to preach right here. God don't owe you anything. I'm going to say that again. God don't owe you anything. The church don't owe you anything. The pastor don't owe you anything. You don't have a right to be right. You have a right to be righteous. The only reason that you are blessed, the only reason you have what you have is because of the grace and the sovereignty of Almighty God. I pray that we never come to church and think that we deserve it, that we have to have it. The only reason that you got breath in your body is because God saw fit to put breath there. Hallelujah. 
God don't owe you anything. The church don't owe you anything. And the pastor don't owe you anything. It's the spirit of the devil to think that somebody owes you something. This entitlement attitude, the desire, I deserve this, or I'm going to leave if you don't do this, or I have a right to do this, or life is not fair. Who do we think we are? That is the spirit of pride. And I prophesy in Jesus' name that God wants to break that self-centeredness, that entitlement attitude, that prideful attitude, that we should stand in the presence of God grateful and thankful for everything that God has ever done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Hallelujah. I don't deserve anything I have. The only reason that I have what I have is because God's grace saw fit that I should have it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every once in a while I want to lift my hands and thank God for His grace and His goodness and His mercy on my life. Hallelujah. See, ladies and gentlemen, got to abandon the desire to be praised. This desire to be promoted, the desire to be glorified, the desire to be affirmed, the desire to be honored, the desire to be rewarded and recognized is not the Spirit of Christ. Most church problems is because people think they are entitled to something. You are not entitled to anything. When you signed up under the role of real commitment, if you want to serve Jesus, you don't live to serve yourself. You live to serve others. I'm going to say that again. When you signed up under the role of real commitment and you really want to follow Jesus, you don't do it to serve yourself. You do it to serve others. Give me that microphone. I'm going to preach right now. This desire to be praised, the desire to be honored and affirmed. Now listen, ain't nothing wrong with being affirmed and loved by people, but if you live your life to be honored and praised and wear your feelings on your shoulders, then ladies and gentlemen, that's not the spirit of Christ. You are saved to serve. You are born again, not to serve yourself, but you are born again to serve the body of Christ. Hallelujah. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. That does not look like it's a self-centered attitude, does it? It is an attitude that serves to please Christ. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know why this is important. This is important because this is the mindset that we are living in. This is the culture that we are living in. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, now you know in the book of Revelation there are seven churches. And the seven churches 
are actual churches that actually existed in Asia. But the seven churches are actually seven different time periods throughout history. Seven different time periods throughout history. If you look at the book of Revelation, I am a firm believer that we are living in the last time period. We are living in this church age called the church of Laodicea. That is the time age that we are living in. That church actually existed. But not only did it actually exist, it is the time period that describes the culture by which we are living in. If you look at it, it'll be behind me. In Revelation chapter 3, the church of Laodicea had the same attitude. Revelation chapter number 3, Revelation chapter number 3, verse 14. And the angel of the church of the Laodicea write, look at it, Revelation 3, verse 14. These things say the amen, faithful and true witness, the beginning and the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, you're neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing, I do, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind. Do you see the attitude of this church? This is the church age that you and I are living in, the church of the Laodiceans. This church age had this self-centered attitude. This church age had the entitlement attitude. Do you see the phrase, I am rich, I am wealthy, I have need of nothing? You see that self-centeredness attitude that the church had? They were lifted up in pride. They didn't need anything to anyone. They, didn't, they lifted themselves up in this entitlement attitude. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the exact same culture that you and I are living in. We are living in the Laodicean age. We are living in this age where people are so self-centered and so, so, so all about themselves that they cannot see beyond the four walls of their own life. But what I want you to pay attention to, that in this book, in the book of Revelation, not only are we the church of the Laodicean, not only do I believe it was a real church, but I also believe we are in this time period. I want you to pay very close attention in the book of Revelation what happens next after chapter 3. Chapter 3, you have this church, the church of the Laodicea. The last verse is found in verse number 22. And the last verse, Revelation 3, verse 22, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And then I want you to quickly go to chapter 4 and verse number 1. Chapter 4 and verse number 1. Do you see chapter 4 and verse number 1? Chapter 4, verse number 1. Right after this church, you will see the next chapter, and this is what John begins to pen. Verse number 1. And these things I looked up, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up hither, and I will show you the things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and the one who sat upon the throne. And he that was set upon the throne was like Jasper, and you could read the 
rest. What I want you to see here is that chapter number three is the church age. Chapter three is the Laodicean age. Chapter three is the age that you and I are living in. But the next chapter, chapter four, verse one, speaks of an experience that John has. And the Bible says that John looked up and he said, when he looked up, a door was open in heaven and he heard a voice like unto a trumpet. And the Bible says the voice called him to come up hither. And immediately John was transported from earth into heaven and he was in the spirit realm. Can I tell you what's getting ready to happen, ladies and gentlemen? We are the church in chapter 3, but we're going to get ready to have an experience in chapter 4. We're going to hear a voice like unto a trumpet, and the trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the clouds, and so shall we be with the Lord for Hallelujah. So even though we are in the church age, even though the church age is self-centered, even though people are lovers of themselves, even though we have need of nothing, I am telling you the next greatest thing on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. We are getting ready to go up. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, Preacher, I am rapture ready. I am rapture ready. The rapture is getting ready to occur. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13, this is the common scripture that is used for the doctrine of the rapture. There are many other scriptures, but this is the prime scripture that we use. Now, you may say, well, pastor, what is the rapture? What do you mean by the rapture? Well, the rapture is the catching away of all true believers around the world before the great tribulation period. Let me say it again. It's the catching away of all true believers around the world before the great tribulation period. I do not believe there are some that will teach that the church will have to go through the tribulation period. I'm just an old-fashioned preacher to believe that God has not appointed us to wrath. Somebody say amen. But he, just like he delivered the children of Israel from the land of Egypt and brought him into Canaan land, I still believe that God is a God that delivers his people. I still believe that God is a God that can transport you from the land of Egypt and bring you in to the land of more than enough. And the only reason that you're going to leave Egypt is if you got the blood on the lintel of your doorpost. If you can put the blood, then God can deliver you. Somebody say amen. Now, hold, hold on. I'm not, I'm not finished yet. Don't, so don't, 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 don't get crazy with me, all right? Don't get crazy. You see, the rapture is the belief that you and I, true believers, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air before the tribulation period. The word rapture is not in the Bible. It is a Latin word which means to be caught up. Now, don't get discouraged over that because the word trinity and the word Bible, some of those words are not found in the Bible as, as well. We use words to, uh, to describe a concept. And this is the word that we use to describe this concept of being caught away. Because the word catching away or to be caught up means to be raptured up. It is translated in the Greek, which means harpazo. Would you say that with me this morning? Harpazo. Harpazo means to be caught up. 
It also means to be snee, to, to seize upon with force or to snatch quickly. And that's exactly what's going to happen to you and I. We're going to be seized with force and we're going to be snatched from the world. Sometimes in the New Testament, the word harpezo is also translated as stealing or carrying off or dragging away. So these words can mean several different things. Harpezo means to snatch, or it means to seize with force. It can also mean to steal, or to carry off, or to drag away. There are three main truths about the rapture that I want you to see. Three main truths. Number one, the rapture of the church will literally happen. The rapture of the church will literally happen. Number two, the rapture of the church will involve the transfer of people from one place to another, from earth to heaven. The rapture of the church will happen instantaneously. The rapture of the church will happen instantaneously. Number one, the rapture of the church will happen uh, will literally happen. Number two, the rapture of the church will involve the transfer of people from one place to another, earth to heaven. And the rapture of the church will happen instantaneously. Now you may say, well, pastor, I don't know if I believe the rapture because I don't see it elsewhere in Scripture. Well, it's interesting to me that in this Scripture, you do see a form of rapturing people in the Old Testament and also the New Testament. Number one, you see it from the life of Enoch. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 21, Enoch lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. And he, begot, and he begot Methuselah. Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all of the days of Enoch was 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Somebody say amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 and verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he he had this testimony that he pleased God. I want you to know the same thing that happened to Enoch is getting ready to happen to some of us this morning. Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, I'm pleasing God this morning? For God took him, for he was not, for God took him. Number two, the Bible says Elisha. Elisha was caught up. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 1. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse number 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about ready to take take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11, 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11, then it happened that as they continued on and talked, do you see that? That suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elisha went up with a whirlwind into heaven. Are you seeing what's happening here? Enoch was not for God took him. Elisha was taken up into heaven with a whirlwind. Let's look at Philip. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 39. Acts chapter 8 verse 39. Now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord 
Lord caught away Philip so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing. Did you see that? The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, I feel the Holy Ghost in this building this morning because you can't get away from the Holy Ghost when you're talking about the end times. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 9, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will also come in like manner as you see him go into heaven. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to you in visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God only knows such a one was caught up into the third heaven. What are you saying, preacher? I am saying in this, the same thing that happened to Enoch, the same thing that happened to Elisha, the same thing that happened to Philip, the same thing that happened to Jesus, the same thing that happened to Paul is getting ready to happen to us. You better look up, you better pray up, you better pack up because we're getting ready to go up. Is there any Holy Ghost filled people this morning that you still believe in the rapture of the church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Enoch was not for God took him. Elisha went up in a whirlwind. Philip was no more because the Spirit took him away. A cloud received Jesus in the air, and Paul was caught up into the third heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, our redemption is drawing nigh. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is getting ready to return. This is not the time to play church. This is not the time for you to get an attitude. This is not the time for you to give up on God. This is the time to get your house in order, to get your, come on somebody, it's time that you get your house in order because He's getting ready to split the eastern sky. Some of us is living like Jesus ain't coming back. Some of you are going to be real surprised when the trumpet sounds. And all that wailing and griping and complaining and gossiping, we're going to see how, that, how, how well it works for you. He's coming back. You say, preacher, you're preaching hard. I hope to God I can scare you out of hell and scare you into heaven. I hope to God the Holy Ghost will get a hold of your heart and set your soul on fire where you'll come to an altar of repentance and say, God, have mercy on me and use me for your glory. Hallelujah. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air coming after you and me. Joy is ours to share. What rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise, headed for that jubilee yonder in the sky. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting. Oh, that happy morning when we shall rise. Oh, what glory 
Oh, hallelujah. When we meet our blessed Savior in the sky, seems that now I almost see all the sainted dead rising for that jubilee that is just ahead. In the twinkling of an eye, change with them to be all the living saints to fly to that jubilee. He's coming back. Do you listen to anybody that tells you anything else? He's coming back. Mark my words, he's coming back. Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together from the elect of four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. The Bible says in Luke chapter 17 and verse 34, I tell you that in that night there will be two men in the one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. There will be one will be taken and the other will be left. Two men in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Mark chapter 14, verse 62, and Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. For at the last trump, for the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. John chapter 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled, for you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. Woo! Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to the glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 10, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who would deliver us from the wrath to come. Can somebody raise your hand and say, thank God that he can deliver us from the wrath to come. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 19, for what is our hope? For what is our joy? What is our crown of rejoicing? Is it not the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, now brethren concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it was from us 
as the day of Christ has already come. But let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will come unless there is a great falling away and the, the man of sin is revealed. Ladies and gentlemen, is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I am waiting for the return of Christ. I am eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I am asking you today, is your heart ready to meet the Lord? I am asking you today, have you repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ alone? I am asking you today, have you cleaned out the secret closets of your life? Have you asked forgiveness of your neighbor? Have you asked for forgiveness of your brother and your sister? Have you trimmed your, have you trimmed your lamps with oil this morning? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Ladies and gentlemen, I can hear the trumpet. The trumpet's getting ready to sound. I can almost feel it in the air. I can almost feel the breeze in the air. I can almost see the sainted dead. The grave's getting ready to open. And Gabriel's getting ready to step out with a trumpet. And is going to blow the trumpet. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Hallelujah. Are you ready to meet the Lord this morning? The Bible says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his coming. 2 Timothy 4 verse 8, finally there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not only to me, but all those who love his appearing. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ. James chapter 5, verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren. Wait unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And now, my little children, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed to us what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Revelation 2.25 But hold fast what you have till I come. Hold fast what I have till I come. The next greatest prophetic thing that will happen on the calendar is the rapture of the church. After the rapture of the church, there is the judgment seat of Christ, which is the Bema seat. Once you are raptured, you then stand before Christ in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. We must all stand before the Bema seat of Christ. It is at the Bema seat of Christ that you are rewarded for your service on earth. You're not judged according to your sin, for your sin was judged at the cross, but you will be judged by your service on earth. After the judgment seat of Christ, 
you are then invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, you get to sit down with all those who had preceded you in death. You sit down at the great homecoming of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't it going to be a wonderful day? Hallelujah. After the marriage supper of the Lamb, there is seven years of great tribulation on earth. The seven years of great tribulation is the time of Jacob's trouble. It is the time of God's dealing with Israel. It is referred to 70 weeks of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12 in verse number 1. It is when God deals with his people on earth. In the book of Revelation, the angels come out and they begin to blow the trumpets and pour the bowls upon the play, on, on Israel because they rejected the true Messiah, which is Jesus Christ. Not only will Israel be affected, but it will also affect the whole earth. At that time, the Antichrist will appear and he will offer peace and a peace treaty will be signed with Israel for seven years. After the tribulation period, there is the battle of Armageddon. In Revelation 16 in verse 6, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the armies of the earth. This is the last cosmic battle against the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But we've already read the book and we know who wins at the battle of Armageddon. Somebody say amen. After the battle of Armageddon, Satan is then bound for a thousand years. During those thousand years as Satan is bound, there is a millennial kingdom that's set up in Israel. Jerusalem is the headquarters. Jesus will sit on the throne of David. Jesus will rule over Israel. And not only will he rule over Israel, but he will also rule other, other nations. According to Isaiah chapter 11, you and I will get to be kings and priests unto God in the new millennium. You'll get to reign and rule with him in this new millennium. Somebody say hallelujah. After the thousand year millennial reign, Satan is loosed for one last revolt. In Revelation chapter 20, it's the, the battle of Gog and Magog will try to come against the forces of light once again. After, after Satan is loosed for a thousand years, then Satan, Satan the false prophet is then thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10. Listen, Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist is not in hell, ladies and gentlemen. You see, they are thrown into hell after Satan is loosed, after the thousand years. They're thrown into the fire according to Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10. Satan is not burning in fire right now. The prophet said that he is roaming to and fro throughout the whole earth to seek whom he may devour. So Satan is not in a lake of fire right now. His judgment is still going to happen. And you and I are going to get to participate and we're going to get to see the judgment of the enemy. Then after Satan and the false prophet uh, and the beast is thrown into the lake of fire, then there is a great white throne judgment where those who are the wicked dead are brought up from the dead and the books of life are open and they are cast in to the lake of fire. And then the Bible says there is a new heaven and a new earth that is established and we get to be with Christ for the endless ages of eternity. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What does this have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. Because we are living in the last days. The last days started at the time of Christ. 
we have been living in the last days for over 2,000 years. You remember the words of Peter? That his spirit would be poured out upon all flesh in the last days. The last days already started. We've been living in them for 2,000 years. And at any moment, at any time, we look for the rapture of the church. Now, I have more information to go over, but I'm going to quit right now. I want you to bow your hearts, and I'm going to quit. If you're here, and you say, Preacher, I want to come back to the Lord. I, I don't want to. I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord. You say, I want to be ready for the coming of the Lord, and I want to be right, right where you're seated. Right where you're at. I want you to make a profession of faith. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Lord Jesus, cleanse me. Lord Jesus, wash me. Come into my heart, Lord. Give my life to you. Take my life and use it for your glory. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask you for those who've confessed their sin, those who believe upon you. Pray that your Holy Spirit will bear witness with their spirit that they are the sons of God. They are the daughters of God. Now, Lord, we thank you for the word that we heard this morning. We pray that your word will be embedded within us. We would hear your word, obey your word. We would look for the soon return of Jesus Christ. We give you glory. We give you praise today. We thank you for all that you've done. We give you glory.